FedEx Forum, Growl Towels, Super Grizz, each one a Memphis Grizzlies tradition. This is the Grizzlies Podcast. Alongside columnist Jeff Calkins and pick and pop columnist Chris Harrington, here's beat reporter Ron Tillery. Welcome into this edition of the Grizzlies Podcast. I am Ron Tillery, the Grizzlies beat writer for the Commercial Appeal, alongside our pick and pop columnist Chris Harrington. As we talk NBA basketball post All-Star break and what an All-Star break it was because it, it was eventful in what didn't happen because there was no trade deadline for the first time ever. Right. <laughs> and it was eventful because the game was actually competitive and full of uh, a fervor. Uh, we'll, we'll get into some Grizzlies issues, uh, although there aren't many because they are a Lottery bound team and they, that's destined, you know, to and, to not make the playoffs. And they haven't played any games since last time we were in here talking. <laughs> right? That's true. That's true. So, uh, well, let's lock, let's knock them off the box. I mean, they returned to practice on Wednesday, and they had two players with excused absence absences. Is that just and, extended vacation from the All Star break? I would tend to lean towards that. Tyreek okay. Evans and Chandler Parsons excused from returning when everybody else did. And, you know, with Tyreek, I'm not going to even fret about it because the the guy's given everything he could. And he was sent away, you know, for, you know, ridiculous reasons around the trade deadline. And but but I think it's a it's a it's bad optics for Chandler. Do you have any does that have any does that indicate anything in terms of their availability Friday in the first game back? Well, I was told and I have not been confirmed, been able to confirm this, that Chandler is ill. Okay. So, you know, you just have to take them for their word at Right. Yeah. But you expect Tyreek to, to be with the team? And oh, active. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's the news about the post-All-Star Grizzlies. But I, I What I think will be interesting, in addition to LeBron James coming to town, which we'll get into uh, yeah. this weekend, what I'll be interested in is it's a back-to-back, and it's sort of home here and then at Miami. So I'm, the at Miami is interesting because the whole Fisdale thing, right? And sure. his friends there. But it's also you get a back to back coming right out of the break, and I'll be interested to see if they use that as an excuse to dial back or even sit a Marcus Hall or a Tyreek Evans. If, if that's some indication of how they're how they're going to deal with those guys for the rest of the way, because you know if you want to try to pull those guys back, a back to back on the road is like the time you would ideally do that, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, because even though they did come back Wednesday, a couple of days before the back to back. You can start to see them justifying that. Yeah. And, and let's face it. I mean, they won't ever say it. But well, especially after what happened to Mark Cuban, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark Cuban, by the way, fined, what is it, $600,000? $600,000. For, for publicly admitting that they're tanking, and that's best for the franchise. Right. But the Grizzlies have done that. Robert they, Perry's got enough financial problems right now. He didn't want to be forking over $600,000. Right. Robert right? Perry's involved in some SEC mess that is affecting his company and his cash flow. And, right. You know, with an ownership situation looming, yeah. So nobody at the Grizzlies no, is looking no, for a big fine right now. Nobody's right, yeah. And, and I'm not so sure. J.B. Bickerstaff is going to get a technical get tossed. Yeah, yeah, he's got enough fines lately, right? <laughs> it stands to reason that you would enter the post-All-Star break with that in mind because there, there's, what, less than 30 games. Right. And you know what the goal is. The goal is to try to get a, a really good pick. You're not going to be in the top echelon of the tankers, but 
you don't have to. That doesn't mean you have to fall back to nine, ten, well, eleven, or twelve. It's going to be so tight. It's going to be yeah. so tight that there may be one or two games that separates you from being fourth versus being eighth, right? And so, like every game counts in that regard. And yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't want to be. They don't want the Knicks to catch them, right? Uh, you know, they don't want to be down to eight, nine, ten in that right. range. Yeah. No. No. No question. So, uh, uh, to your point, I would not be surprised if you start start to see Mark. You know, if not take games off really reduces minutes. Now, right. for that to happen, too, is a guy like Deontay Davis has to be available and ready. Well, the other part of it, yeah, I agree. The other part of it, though, to me is that, and this even adds more justification, that last game before the break, everybody, all the bigs were healthy and available. I even had DNP'd that game. If your whole thing is that we're trying to develop these kids and get a, get a look, like why is he spending the whole game on the bench? That gives you a real justification to pull back a Marcus R or even a Jamichael Green sometimes if everyone's healthy because you want if you want to say if they're healthy and available we want Deontay Davis, Jarrell Martin, and Ivan Rab playing every night, right? I agree, but this speaks to the weirdness of the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, the Goofy Grizzlies is now what I call them. Ever since the Tyreek Evans fiasco, right? <laughs> Deontay Davis was available suddenly, and so Ivan Rab doesn't play. But guess who plays out of nowhere? Uh, Chandler, Chandler Parsons. Parsons, yeah, yeah. For what? <laughs> one one game before, before the break. Before the yeah. break, you know why? And so, like you said, now Ivan Rab gets a DM uh, a DMP because of those reasons. You know, goofy. Yeah, you know, I, I I didn't get that. No, I didn't understand it either. I, <laughs> I I think all those young players, unless they have done something, you know, for done something to warrant sort of being pulled back for for um you know, motivational reasons. Right. If they're healthy and available, they should all play every game. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I think that's what we could more or less expect. I mean, there's, there's really nothing to, to analyze about these last 20 something games other than the fact that you're looking at player development and you wrote about it. I mean, you wrote about, you know, Jarrell Martin and Andrew Harrison. Right. Making strides and, and showing the franchise something if they're not auditioning for the Grizzlies, they're auditioning for the NBA at large yeah. in terms of being viable players. Harrison in particular, is, to me, has just really helped himself. I and mean, this is a guy who's been doubted his entire NBA career so far and with lots of good reason, right? But he he keeps working and keeps plugging away and keeps getting better and like just you know keeps improving his standing. And so good for him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. In a way, I'm happy for him because he earned his spot. Right. You know, and when, when everybody was – on the Wade Baldwin train, and and I'm not digging at you, and you know that because right. I know you were high on Wade Baldwin. That's who I would have picked. Yeah. I mean, every, that, that, every everybody is wrong about it, you know. Yeah, yeah, I was wrong about Tony Allen. Right, like, I was like yeah. Tony Allen, you know. And no, he, Baldwin's it, a pick it, I would have made, and it, yeah. it was a bad pick. But but having been in 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 that training camp and having seen the work put in by both, I totally understood Fisdale's rationale. Right, Andrew Harrison was reliable. You know, and now he's a reliable defender with some offense. Right. Yeah, because because I think that's what you pointed to. Like, he he's improved yeah. his ability to score the basketball, you know. Right. And, uh, and it's interesting because, and I don't know how much we can talk about interim head coach J.B. Bickerstaff and his, you know, desire and his, the ability that to do this job. But there was a moment after the Atlanta game on the road not long ago before the break. Right. Where, where they just got blown out. Where they got blown out, and he immediately had a really rough conversation with Andrew Harrison. 
and I'm bringing this up because I think this kind of spurred on your your commentary. Right. And he was seen leaving the locker room by kicking the door open. That's how mad he was. But he channeled that into a better performance. You know, right. so I mean, you have to credit the 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 concentration uh, and the psych and the psyche that that went into to him showing that hey, look, I am viable. Right. You know, I I guess that's my point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So 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 they're back on Friday night. We got mm-hmm. LeBron. So we're convinced LeBron's coming. He's gonna stand. He's not gonna stand us up this time, right? Yeah, well, it would be hard to imagine that he would miss the first game out of the break. Right. Yeah. With all these new teammates in the middle of a playoff race. And they've only been together, I think, three games. Right. So, yeah, yeah. And and they're trying to make a charge. They're not conceding the number one seed. Right. They're trying to make a charge to the top. I think they're only, well, they're six and a half games back. That's actually quite a bit yeah. um, for the number one seed. But they're only a game and a half up on Washington for that three seed. So they got to protect, they got to win to protect behind them, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So no, I I would expect him to play, and I think the Cavs did really well by themselves uh, because they got younger, they got faster, and they got more athletic with these young guys, and they got a more more motivated LeBron James. Yeah, like he he, he hated his team yeah. before those trades. <laughs> That's right? true. That's true. And that moves the needle more than anything. Yeah. It's his attitude. Yeah, I I um, the only thing I question about the changes is in getting younger. You know, these aren't guys who have battled. In, right. in the postseason. So when the when the real bright lights come on, you know, how productive, you know, how strong will they be well, as, George, as they try to make a march? George Hill's been there with San Antonio. So I think know. that's a guy, if he's healthy, you can depend on. Yeah. But you're right. The guys from the Lakers, like, they never won anything, right? right. And Rodney Hood's never really, right. you know, gone that far. Yeah. And so, you know, you get Kevin Love back. You have LeBron, Kevin Love, George Hill as sort of a veteran sort of core to that team. Yeah. And we'll see with, with the kids. I got to ask you, this has this been a topic over the last week, um, you know, with LeBron winning the All-Star, All-Star Game MVP. You're a Chicago guy. Are you are you willing to entertain that LeBron James versus Michael Jordan is a, is a real question, or is that not, e- not even worthy of discussion to you? Uh, you know, the older I get, Chris, and the more interviews I see from Isaiah Thomas of all people, who who is a Chicago guy, but a hated right. Chicago basketball player, right? Because he played his career with the Pistons. He makes a good point. Like you can have these Jordan Lebron debates all you want, but the most decorated the most decorated basketball player ever that nobody talks about is Kareem. Oh. That's great. I thought you were going to go Bill Russell there. But I, I've said this before. To me, it's not a two-person discussion. It's a three-person discussion. And I think Kareem is the other person that should be in that discussion. And I've heard Isaiah make this argument time after time after time. And I am a Jordan guy. Right. You know, I, like you said, I grew up in Chicago. I watched him lose for seven years before he broke through. And then, you know, it's almost like you nuance it. You know, like you could talk about Jordan be the great Jordan being the greatest scorer of all time, right? Kareem being the do- most dominant of all time. I know Shaq likes to claim it, but it's Kareem, right? Because you're talking about a guy who scored the most points ever, right? On a shot that can't be blocked. Yeah, well, you talk about <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, I'm not as much of a baseball fan as I used to be, but I used to be a big baseball fan, and Bill James, a baseball writer, would talk about like you know judging guys historically sort of in two different ways, career value versus peak value. Mm-hmm. Like how good were you at your absolute best? And like how, what's your total accomplishment like over time? Yeah. And with Kareem, like it's, it's tippy top on both categories, right? 
not only was he at the peak of his powers as good as probably anybody, yeah. but he did it till he was 40. Right, right. You know? It, it, that's hard to top. Yeah. It's hard to top. No, it, I, it really I, I didn't expect you to say that, but I, I, I believe... I believe it's a real discussion. Like some people are dismissive about, of course, LeMichael is better than LeBron. I think it's a real discussion, greatest of all time. I think LeBron has put himself into the discussion, but I believe it's a three-man discussion. I believe Kareem is part of that discussion. Yeah, too. oh, no, absolutely. And and I think what LeBron has done to put himself in that discussion, you know, even though he gets criticized for not being, you know, like a a dog at the end of the games that, that wants to win the game, right. is he, he has – Spent his entire career being a combination of Michael, Magic, yeah. and Larry. <clears throat> oh, no, Matt. Yeah, I said Magic, yeah. Ooh, maybe and, a little Oscar in there, too. Yeah. and um, He's and, not a and, Jordan. Jordan was a, sort of a type, like this dominant scorer type. And you're right. LeBron is a different type. But, but right. But, but you know, remember LeBron had that, that uh, series against the Pistons, I believe, where he scored like 25 points in a quarter right. and beat them in a playoff game. Yeah. So, I mean, like. And so I guess I bring that, bring that up to say is, like, if he wanted to average a triple-double, like Russell Westbrook clearly went out to do, right. he could. Sure. I mean, he's basically been LeBron 25-7-7 since his second year in the league when you go and look at it. And, and he's, he's not done either. I mean, we talk right. about, like, you know, what they've accomplished. I mean, he's like right. 33. And, right. And it's, I mean, you never know. Like, guys get injured tomorrow. But with his history and the way he plays – I expect him to be an all-star level player for like several more years. Oh, no this, doubt right? about it. No doubt about it. Because 15 years in, he's still, you know, he might not be the most athletic guy. He's probably still the best player in the world. But he's still, yeah, yeah, no doubt. Even now. And the thing about the Jordan-LeBron argument, and, and this may be my bias, is that Jordan went to six finals, won all six, was six-time finals MVP, LeBron has been the seven straight, which is phenomenal. Well, Jordan I mean, like, may, may have run off eight straight. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, but that, that could have happened. And, and he's carried, you know, and I'm not so sure how good Jordan's teams were. I mean, like, you know, we'd like to talk about Scottie Pippen and, and, and Horace Grant and all those guys. Well, he had Pippen, but the back half of those rosters were, were nothing yeah, special. They exactly. were average NBA. Exactly. Right. And so uh, I think all things being equal, that put, puts Jordan over the top. Right. You know, yeah, I have no quarrel with Jordan at number one. I, I just think, I think, you know, and I'm surprised to find someone who agrees with me that I think it's a three man discussion, and you can argue it for all three of those guys. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, when you when you look at Kareem's high school, college, pro, I mean, when you, when you just talk about the best basketball player ever, yeah, hey, that's a good I, point. I, 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 I across I, all I, levels, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I can't argue that because, I mean, I know Magic. Played center in the finals and all that stuff, but Kareem did his thing at every level. So do you think with Cleveland coming in, do you think these moves and a rejuvenated LeBron, do you think Cleveland is the favorite to come out of the East? Well, I, I think it's kind of like Jordan-esque. Um, anytime, look, 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 LeBron has taken less talent to he, in tow to the finals. Right. <laughs> I mean, so... I mean, with or without the, the moves, th- those first Cleveland teams probably were not as talented as this current. Oh team. no way! No there was no way. Kevin Love on that team. No, you know, yeah, no. And so, with or without the moves, I still think you 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 would have a hard time making an argument that the road to the finals wouldn't go through Cleveland, especially when when uh, Gordon Haywood, who I like a lot, was ruled out right immediately. I really, I really like this Toronto team, and I think they're going to keep the number one seed. But I do have a hard time seeing them in the playoffs 
beat beat Cleveland. I think beat that's, LeBron in a series. I think yeah. that's when they break down. They've been playing good team basketball. They changed their offense where they got everybody involved. But I think in the playoffs is where Kyle Lowry is going to lose it and not play the right yeah. way and derail the whole thing. Well, one of the reasons they're so good in the regular season, and they don't play like, you know, the old QB 10-man rotation, mm-hmm. but they are super deep. Mm-hmm. They've done, Masai Ujiri, the GM there, has done a great job of finding talent late in the draft, in the mm-hmm. second round, whatever, and cobbling together this bench. It's all these guys like DeLon Wright and Fred Van Vliet, and like all these guys are like <clears throat> really good bench players. And so they go 10 deep of like good players who play well together and I think that helps you over 82 games. It doesn't – your eighth, ninth, tenth man don't mean as much in the playoffs. Right, right. Because, yeah, your main guys are playing the bulk of the minutes. Right. And we and we saw that with the Grizzlies when they played the Spurs. When, when Brandon Wright got healthy in the regular season before the playoffs last year, right. he was playing quality minutes. And But in the playoffs, they were like, no, dude. Yeah. You know, we're not rolling with you. You, you know, tighten like, it up. You you, tighten you look it. at your matchups. Yeah. And, yeah, and then it doesn't matter as much. And yeah. now it's like LeBron James is playing 44 minutes and has the ball in his hands all the time. And, yeah. like, Kyle Lowry and DeMar Rosen are playing 44 minutes and they have the ball in their hands all the time. Yeah. Who's winning that battle, right? But, but you, spoke, you spoke of a three-person race to greatness in terms of individual accolades. Right. I, I do believe it is a three-team race in these. Boston. Uh, yeah. Boston. Uh, Toronto, Cleveland, but I just think with LeBron, I mean, it, it, you just got to roll with Cleveland. What about you know? the West? Do you think Golden State's coming out? Do you think Houston's got a shot? I think Houston's got a shot. I, I you know, they have firepower, right? And uh, but here's the thing, and, and they do guard, um, but but they don't have as much firepower, right? I mean, like I, I, I watched a program where Charles Oakley. Former NBA, what do you call him, a uh, muscle man? Yeah, or, enforcer. Uh, enforcer, yeah, that's, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> um, he was asked, you know, how do you contend with Golden State in today's NBA? And he started talking about trapping stuff and blah. I mean, all this generic stuff. Right. Okay, trap stuff and see what Durant does. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, they just, it, you know, if they don't get hurt, they just got, they just got way too many weapons. The one thing I wonder about. And I mean, oh, I'm sorry to cut you off. And by the way. If Steph just passed the ball back out to Klay Thompson in that All-Star game, they'd probably get a three and win. That's right. <laughs> the what, what I wonder, I, I do think Golden State's the favorite, but what I do wonder about, you know, we just talked about how depth doesn't matter as much in the playoffs, but with Golden State, I think they almost are too thin beyond their stars now. They don't have... They're not as good top to bottom as they've been these past few years. Like Iguodala, Iguodala is not quite what he what he's been, mm-hmm. and I just I don't think you know they brought in Nick Young and some of the players they brought in. I just don't think they're as good going down through the rotation as they've been. And I do wonder if after a while it just sort of you know when you're going on these deep runs year after year after year, at some point it starts to wear on you. And I think you saw that with the with the Miami LeBron teams and some of the Laker teams and. Right. You know, who knows if, if Jordan hadn't taken the two years off, would they have been able to keep going after, you know, beyond three years? Maybe yeah. they would have. But at some point, I think fatigue sort of sets in year after year after year. So I do wonder. I think Golden State in the West is way more catchable this year than, they, than they've been. Uh, yeah, normally I would agree with that. But I think Steve Kerr, just like Phil Jackson, did a great job of managing that aspect of it. Yeah, because when they get to camp, they're not wearing them out. Like like Golden State went to China, I think it was. Right. And 
they had the, the shortened training camp and, and they started the season really early. And I remember covering the, the Sonics the one year they had Horace Grant. And he's one of those guys who's a real guy. And, and like he, in other words, he didn't let the NBA do him. You know, he did the NBA. So he wasn't like, you know, unapproachable, you know, uh, big headed. And once he realized my, my history and, 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 you know, me being from Chicago, we, we were talking about those Bulls teams. And he just was venting about how Michael and Scotty came to training camp after those finals and after those Olympics and didn't have to do jack. Right. <laughs> and, and it pissed him off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it was for the, in Phil's mind, for the betterment of the team. Right. Cause, but, but he thought they were getting special treatment. So I tend to think that Kerr probably erred on that side. It's, it's just one of those things where, you know, you take care of your stars because you're, um, and LeBron's been through this, because you're expecting them to be at their peak right. when, when the playoffs start. You know, the guy's been through seven straight, and he never seems worn down. I mean, he's lost. But LeBron's never seen worn down. So we make it Cavs Warriors four. Is that what it'll be? Would it be the fourth time in yeah, a row yeah, that happened? Yeah. I wonder when. I'm not going to predict that, but I mean, it's possible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. So I, before we move on, um, because we should talk about All Star, um, I think we'd be remiss not to talk about LeBron and him being in the in the news because not only of his all-star performance and his MVP in the all-star, but because of his the criticism levied at him because of his uh, comments about social injustice and, and more specifically uh, against the president. And, you know, I don't care to mention her name. Yeah, her I mean, name yeah, I mean, consider the source, uh, right? Right, right. But I... I <laughs> I'm curious your take. Here's what ultimately what I think. You know, everybody says shut up and play. Right. In this case, shut up and dribble. But, you know, like whether it was Lionel or Hubie or more recently Fisdale. Right. You know, I think we ought to start to realize that these aren't just players. They're people. And before LeBron James was the king... He was born an American. Yep. He has a mayor. He has a governor. He has senators. He has Congress people. And he has a president that's no less his president to him than he is to any of us. Right. And by the way, he pays more taxes than me, you, that lady. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you could you could combine all of us, and he pays more tax. So the idea that he can't express his views right. just seems so silly to well, me. Well, I it was also such a manufactured quote unquote controversy because it's not actually something that people were talking about until this one commentator. Like yeah. LeBron James is one of the most famous people in the world, right? And so, yeah, you attack LeBron James on television for something that at that point no one had been talking about that that gets attention to you, right? Right. And so I thought it was just total silliness. But I agree with your point in general. And it also it sort of amplifies his response to that to me even amplified the entire All-Star weekend, him winning the MVP and him responding to that. And everything to me amplified even more like what a special person he is as sort of the figurehead of the league for this generation, right? Not only is he one of the great, you know, three greatest players of all time, you know, we think, right. but 
he's just a really exceptional person. Like like everything about him in terms of how he carries himself off the floor, people can question the decision or whatever. But for things that really matter, I mean, what he's done in the community there in Cleveland, in Miami, the the way he carries himself off the floor, the way he's sort of a leader for the league. Like to me, he's like a really special person in the history of the league, not just for what he does on the floor, but for just what he is off of it too. That that's an excellent point. And and he's a great family man because from afar he's never gotten a lick of trouble. You no, know? No, from afar it seems like because he grew up in poverty with a single mother yeah. who had issues without a known father, he is seems to be t- determined to have a different family structure. And I mean, okay, you don't get a cookie for that. You're supposed to, you know, be that, but but to your point, like you would think he was just a knucklehead. The way criticism right. just keeps coming his way, and I, I just don't get it. And then I would also say this, you know, for that lady who thinks he's dumb because she incorrectly said he he dropped out of high school, which he didn't. Right. He finished high school, and he was a good student in high school. Right. Google LeBron James. Harvard School of Business did a case study on how LeBron James conducts his business. Oh, yeah. And LeBron James is not smiling for a check. When you do business with LeBron James, you are in business right. with LeBron James. Yeah. He's changed the game for the modern athlete. And I, and I, just, I just feel bad for her and other people who, who are ignorant to that. Well, he he also sort of the the, the, the connection with him and Jordan is so interesting in this regard because when I mean, Jordan was hugely successful off the floor, now he's an NBA owner and the whole thing. Yeah, but there's a just sort of a little bit of a generational difference, at least in regards to NBA athletes. I mean, Jordan was sort of famously apolitical during his playing days. Sure. So that whole generation, you know, Barkley was famous for I'm not a role model, and mm-hmm. most of the other players just were sort of silent. Period yeah. about stuff. And this new generation of player is much more connected to social issues and much more outspoken. You see it with Steph Curry. You see it with, other, with Dwayne Wade, with Chris Paul, with other players, too. And social media helps that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I think, and frankly, I mean, you could connect it to, like, these kids in Florida, right? I mean, you have younger generations coming up, and these kids are younger than, you know, LeBron sure. or whatever, but that are much more active about engaging with the world on things that they think are important, and I and I think that's laudatory. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I I, I just w- felt like we should touch on that, and it doesn't have anything to do with black white. It doesn't have anything anything to do with Republican Democrat. You know, let's just look at this guy for 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 what he is. And yeah. like, like you said in your initial comments, he he is exceptional. Yeah, he, he you, you <laughs> couldn't you couldn't you couldn't imagine a better. Face of a, 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 a league than, than LeBron James has been for the NBA during yeah. his career. Yeah. Well, he did win the MVP of the All Star Game, and boy, did he want to win it. <laughs> uh, I, th- I thought I th- that last possession, <clears throat> the last defensive possession, where it's a three point game, the greatest three point shooter maybe ever, Steph Curry has the ball looking for a shot to tie. And you have LeBron James and Kevin Durant both going all in defensively. That was sort of a thrilling possession yeah. of basketball that you didn't expect to see in that setting. And, and I was telling people who was who were pushing back against me, I said, let me tell you something. They're going to play this game. Nah, nah, nah. It's gonna I said, no, 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 no. That's When they decided that they were going to pick their teams, see, you, you, that's going back to the streets. Right, right. That, that's playground. And I hope that next year they put those guys at center court 
and televise it and just pick teams because that's what goes on at the park. Well, it did feel like like a pickup basketball game, and people mm-hmm. use that in a negative way, but I've used it in a positive way because there's a difference between that and like all-star exhibition mm-hmm. where like you're just letting guys jump down the floor and do alley-oop dunks. It was sloppy because they're not used to playing together and they don't really have right. sets or anything, but but everyone cared about the game and sort of was interested in it. And so it felt like sort of NBA players playing like a real pickup game. Exactly. When you pick your squad. I think that's interesting. Because you know what? It's it's, it's like we want to stay on the court. Because if you lose, you got to go sit. Right. (laughs) You know, and that's how they approached it. I thought it was great. I I thought they played with with, uh, great intensity from start to finish. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I like the fact that they were passionate about that. Well, to me, I, I mean, that's part of the role change that they made. But to me, it also fits into what we were just talking about, about sort of a generational difference of what we're seeing with this this generation of players, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap this up, and let's transition to uh, the Grizzlies' new generation of players. Who do you expect, or who are you looking for to have the best finish? I don't know if I'm looking for him to be- have the best finish, but the one I'm most interested in going forward is probably Wayne Seldon. Okay. Because I'm disappointed in the inconsistency, and I think there's a lot of ability there, mm-hmm. but it has you have to have consistent production, you know? I, I want to see – I think he has a higher level of ability than Andrew Harrison and, and, and even than Dylan Brooks and some of these players, but you're not, you have to put it together and string together games. Yeah. And so I'm most interested in him the rest of the way. And after that, I would say Deontay Davis and Ivan Rabb trying to figure out like who you're more who who is more likely to help you going forward. Yeah. I think Dylan Brooks and Andrew Harrison have sort of proven what they are. Yeah. And, and for all those reasons, I'm going to say Deontay Davis because right. I think, you know, and I and I kind of wrote this like, you know, he 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 can go either way. Yeah. He can either show that he can be a viable successor to Marcus not not for the Marcus characteristics, but you know, they need a guy to to get Mark from thirty six minutes a game down to twenty something. They need and, a backup center when and, game one next season. Right. That and, job is there for you. Yeah, him. and he needs to do that. And and so I'm and, and you know, I, I this is this is going to sound worse than what it means. Like, I just see too much Stroh Miles Swift in them. And they're yeah. both good kids. Right. You know, it's just like, okay, where's your passion for the game? Yeah. And are you going to be the guy or are they going to have to move on from you? Yeah, there's a little bit of a sleepiness on the floor sometimes. Yeah. You said it. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. So um, that that's who I'm looking at. And 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 he has and and, and Ivan Rab, Ivan Rab doesn't have that sleepiness. No, no, no. And he's so just not. He's just not. Not big. there physically. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so that that's what I'm looking for. And here we go. Post All right. Star in a season where the Grizzlies will not make the playoffs. And uh it's it's weird. It's different. Yeah. Uh, so let's hope, you know, it's basketball people in Memphis, we don't get used to it. It's a lot more fun when the games matter down the stretch. And and at the same time when you're not guessing on who's going to be the rising star. Right. You know, um, you know, in years past you could talk about Wait till Mike and Mark grow up. Wait till Rudy grows up. Wait till OJ matures. Wait, wait, wait until Shane and Powell continue to get better. You know what I'm saying? It was like right. in those bad years, you always had one or two guys to point to. I'm not so sure it's that way. No, no, this that, time around. That, that, that guy's coming in June. That, that, <laughs> that, that, that's where that guy's coming from. There you go. <laughs> at, at least until the, whoever it is proves otherwise. 
So where are the Grizzlies going to finish in a draft lottery? I'm, I'm going to, I may write about that predict? for Friday. I, I, I'm not ready to predict, but I'm working on it. I, okay. I, I think maybe somewhere in that five to seven range is most likely. Okay. Maybe that's being too optimistic, but that's what I think. Well, we need optimism. Right. It's raining outside <laughs> and it's cold. <laughs> we need some sunshine. All right. He is picking pop columnist Chris Harrington. I am the only beat writer the Grizzlies have ever known, Ron Tillery. Thanks for listening, and we will be back at you next week. The Grizzlies podcast is hosted by Ron Tillery, Jeff Calkins, and Chris Harrington, and posts each week during the regular season at commercialappeal.com. You can also subscribe to the Grizzlies podcast for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Grizzlies podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.